Did I break it? Oh. I think we have found the avatar. <laughs> Does he look like Aang? Anybody with kids? Oh, come on. We've been, um, you know, wanting to just kind of share some stories about what's happening through conduit, through you. Conduit's not an it, it's a who. And uh, that's just one of the remarkable stories that's happened just in the past year. A little guy that got to hear about Jesus uh, through the lives of us, through you, through... And everybody plays a role in that kind of a thing. We, when it became a question of a church and what we were supposed to be, it's sort of a little bit of a, uh, I don't know if you're uh, aware, but I'm not a very qualified as a pastor. I'm uh, Darren, if you're visiting um, the, uh, the, one of the pastors here. But the Lord, uh, even you can tell, I, I dressed up for you guys today. Very exciting. I put a jacket on. But over the years, I you know there was, you'd see things like uh, like Compassion International and World Vision, well, coincidentally, which are amazing organizations, and it's amazing what God is doing through organizations like them. But I always wondered, what if we didn't have to choose between the two? What if the church and a parachurch could be the same? Well, you know, again, World Vision is awesome. I mean, I've been, I've seen amazing things that have happened. I've seen amazing things happen through compassion. But I look back on it and I wonder, well, do we have a compassion and do we have a world vision because the church uh, was distracted, because we were busy, and we had crap to do, stuff. And I don't mean that in any sort of a judgmental way. I look, when I finally gave up my job title of Holy Ghost Junior, it was very freeing for me. So this is not any sort of an aspersion to cast on anyone it's just a question. And when we were, when Conduit, which was started as this Bible study, nickel and dime operation thing, you know, we were, it felt like we were playing Jesus pinata. Have you ever played that where you're just swinging and hoping you hit something? And uh, we thought, well, it's just a Bible study. Because if, you know, if it's a Bible study, that means I'm not a pastor, which incidentally, I, I wasn't. And, uh, but we could then, whatever resources would come in, we would just give them away to, to people that were genuinely in need on the front lines here and around the world. And, and that was about as much thought as we put into it. I mean, obviously, we called it conduit, right? It's a pipe. It's simple. There's no moving parts. Easily replaceable. But man, when you connect some conduit together, really powerful things can happen because it extends the reach. It extends the ability. And we're all conduit. Jesus would say to a woman at the well that you, rivers of living water would flow from within you. And he would say it again. And he said, this I spoke of the Holy, he spoke of the Holy Spirit, which was to come as in John 7. And I began to realize that, oh, wait a minute. It wasn't talking about I just want to give away some money. The idea, I think, came because I was really good at losing money in the business world. I had that anointing. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you resonate with that? I could make and lose a lot of money. It was pretty amazing. Uh, It was a spiritual gift. But I remember sitting one night thinking, oh, you know, we were watching, uh, you know, if you've watched Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie at the same time on the TV, it's allowed because your wife is busy looking at Brad Pitt. And you know what I'm saying? It just, it works. 
So I'm watching the CNN and, uh, and there's Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie and they're talking about all the stuff they're doing and I'm thinking, man, that's, that's pretty cool that they're doing that. You know, I thought she was just, you know, t raiding tombs, but you know, they're doing this other nice things. And, and it, but it hit me that, uh, wait a minute, because you know, I'm thinking, man, if I were rich, I'd totally do that. That's what I would do. And I don't know what it was about that night, that moment. You know, the Lord sometimes will just interrupt your life. And you don't know when it's coming, but boy, when it does, it's like the closet opened into Narnia. You know, I'm like, oh, wow. And it was that moment that night where I thought, man, what kind of a tool do I have to be to think, well, maybe if and someday when, and why not now? And the answer was, well, I didn't know what to do. I, I wanted to do something, but I didn't know what to do. So what did I do? I did nothing. <laughs> but that night, it just, it was different. And I used to tell, I was a manager, I'm a recovering manager from the music business. There's a support group if you've not been a part of it. But that manager, a part of me was, I would tell my clients that you've got a platform to speak from. Fame is nothing more than just that. It's just a platform. And the more famous you are, the bigger your platform, which means the more people are listening. And I would tell them that. And I would, but we all have our platform, this thing that God has given to us, this voice that we have, and, and to some of us, it's to our neighbors, to some of us, it's to our friends and family. And, but we all ought to do what I would encourage my artists to do, which is, hey, once you achieve that, that platform, you know where you are, you ought to have something to say once you get there. Why squander that voice that the Lord has given you in 20 years so you could say, oh man, I sold a lot of records. I've got some gold records on my wall that are worthless to me because my kids have no idea who they are. They make good coasters, good conversation piece, a good ode to the past because someday it's all gone and they don't know anymore because my kids don't know. They don't care. But here's the thing. That isn't just in the music world. That's all of our worlds. We grow and we begin to this thing that was so important. And if, we're, if we are just investing in that thing that's right in front of us, whether it's our career or our, our job thing or this school. that It's not that it's bad. It's not inherently any of it is sinful. It's just that that's all I'm investing in. At some point, it's just, well, it's what Solomon would say. It's vapor. It's vanishing. You could see it. You could experience it, but you can't grab it or take it home with you. And for me, that was where I felt like I had wandered into was a moment of what is it at 38 years old-ish, what is my platform and what is the vapor that I've created that is just going to disappear? And, and is there something more to that? And the answer is, I'm happy to report, yes. That when we are serving the purpose that the Lord has given to us, our plans are, I don't want to say irrelevant, but they're pretty close. Paul, you know, Paul would actually unpack that for us in Romans 15, if you've got your Bible with you. He gives us a promise, a prayer for peace, for hope, for joy in, in Romans 15. He says it in Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope, may he fill you with all joy and peace in believing and abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I know that it's a lot to digest for some of us because you're going through a lot. 
And to look at that and say, peace and joy, that that could be yours. That hope could be ours. That's a pretty remarkable promise for us. And I, and I, I look at that and I think, that's great, Paul. Now, how? What does that do? Because if you've been, maybe you're on the corporate ladder and you feel like that you're like on a treadmill, you're, getting a, you're moving a lot, but you're not going anywhere. Maybe your business, maybe, maybe your marriage, your relationships. You think, man, I'm, I feel like I am running faster than I've ever ran, and I'm not getting anywhere. And when you're in that moment, it's like, man, where's the hope in that? How do I feel peace there? Because I had this plan I had a great plan, by the way. It was awesome. I was going to go be a traveling speaker guy. I was talking to uh, Russ and Ted about this this morning. Because when you're the traveling speaker guy, all you got to do is roll in. You got basically 10 sermons. I don't know if you know this. But that's all you need. And you just roll in and you do, you do the, uh, I believe Tim Visanio's dad calls them sugar stick sermons, candy sticks, and hand out the candy and then uh, blow in, blow up, and blow out. It was awesome. I, I knew all of these, because uh, of what I did for a living, I knew all these people that were spiritual leaders and pastors and festival bookers and all that. So I just thought I could book myself, because that's all I've been doing for 18 years. If I only have one client, it would be me. I wouldn't have to pay out some uh, percentage. It was awesome. I had it all figured out. And the older I was getting and the closer I was getting to the moment of well, maybe this is it, I was, it just, there was no peace in it at all. And I couldn't figure it out, and I began to be frustrated and I just wasn't, I didn't know what to do, but I had the plan. And I'm telling you, it was awesome. I mean, you got, I got to have new stuff like every week. I'm sorry, for if you've been around a while, like I, I feel bad for like Craig and Bethany and Jeremy and Amber. And some of you guys have been with us from the start because you've been hearing my jokes for like seven years, right? It's like my grandpa, every time when something scans at the grocery store and oh, it means it's free if it didn't scan. And he laughs like it's the first time he ever said it. But it's not. It's like the hundred times. So I'm like, I got to come up with new stuff. And I, you know, there's all that. But boy, I tell you, uh, when I got my eyes off of my plan and began to realize that it wasn't about my plan, but it was about my purpose, where I would find peace, the plans become just part of the part of the drive. I'm not saying that you don't need to have a plan. Paul had a plan. You can't really steer a car sitting in a driveway. I mean, you can, but it's, you know, it's tired. When you're in motion, things, it's a lot easier to steer it. If you're a boat and you're anchored to the dock, you can't really steer it. You've got to be in motion to allow the Lord to steer it. But your purpose and your plan, they're not the same thing. Paul talks about here in the first few verses, verses one through six, he, he offers something that's really fascinating. He says that we can have patience and that we can have unity. He says that when we uh, look at what's happening in their body, he's saying, hey, look, all these little things that you guys are all arguing about and being all gripey with each other, you know, just let them go. Focus on the main thing and you could be like-minded. You could have patience with each other and in unity. And in the body of Christ, boy, could we use some of that? Right? Some unity and some like-mindedness. 
You know, and there's things that we've got to be on the same page about. He talks about being like-minded. He would say in Philippians, I think it's Philippians, we have the mind of Christ, meaning whatever Jesus' ideas are, they're our ideas. That's his, we're just operating on his ideas. So the unity in, comes from us being patient with each other. And verses 7 through 13 is when he says that, that you could have joy and peace and I believe that the joy and the peace that we have is what produces the hope in us. But interesting, by the power of the Holy Spirit is how that comes. If you've been trying to force hope, how's that working out for you? I'm going to be hopeful now. Starting now, I'm going to be hopeful. He says, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I chewed on that for a little while and I've sort of prayed about it and thought about it and thought, you know... The purpose of the Holy Spirit, Acts 1.8, he says, when you receive my power, the, the Spirit will come upon you and you'll receive this and you'll have power to be my witnesses. The purpose of the Holy Spirit inside of us is to really to give us the power to be his witnesses. The power to speak truth, the power to engage with each other. That's the Holy Spirit inside of us it's not of our own work. It's just the gift of the Spirit inside of us. And when I think of it in those terms, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I can have joy and peace and hope. I believe that it happens in the process of being his witnesses. It's in the power of us figuring out our purpose. Because I look at Paul's life and I see a guy that knew his purpose. He had plans. In fact, if you look here in verse 22, he talks about that I've wanted to see you in Rome. I wanted to come unto you. I had this plan to get there. And it hadn't happened yet. And then he goes on to say that I've got this gift for the people, the brothers and sisters in Jerusalem where they're poor and they're hurting and they're being persecuted and beaten and I've got this and I want to deliver it to them. I'm going to go through Spain and then I'm going to get to you in Rome. That was his plan. It was a good plan. And he would actually ask in those last few verses of chapter 15, pray for me. And he asked him to pray for some specific things. It was about his plan. He says, I beg you, brothers, verse 30, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through this, the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers for me. He prayed that I would be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe. He had a good reason for that prayer. In Acts 20, there was a guy named Agabus, a prophet. He said, hey, whoever, he said, if you go to Jerusalem, it's going to be trouble. And he holds up a belt. It's Paul's belt. And whoever wears this belt, this is the guy. It's going to be trouble for you in Jerusalem. Paul knew it, and he knew that if he was going to get from Jerusalem to Rome, that God was going to have to make it happen, because it was going to be trouble there. And he prayed, man, could I be delivered from those who would disagree with me there? And he prayed, asked them to pray that my service for Jerusalem might be acceptable to the saints. He would have this offering. He would write about it again in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. And he would say, hey, I'm bringing this gift. And as he was going towards there, he was going to stop in places like Corinth. And he was saying, hey, 
we need you guys to, and it's funny, you read it almost, it almost looks like he's manipulating him, but he's saying, it's just about your love for the Lord. He doesn't even show the pictures of the poor kids. He just says, if you love Jesus, you're going to do this. Don't disappoint me. I've told these guys how awesome you are. This gift for the poor, this provision that you're going to get for them. I'm coming through, we're going to pick it up, and I'm taking it to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, Paul himself had been a victim of it, but if you were a Christian in Jerusalem, it wasn't, there's no such thing as a casual Christian there. Their lives were in danger. There had been a drought prophesied early in the book of Acts, and a lot of scholars believe that that drought had hit about that time, that there was persecutions and beating, things going on just exactly like they are right now in Iran and Iraq and Pakistan and Afghanistan. And Paul would say that, We're going to take this gift and we're going to give it to them. That's his plan. And then he asked for prayer that he would be accepted by the saints that were there. And then he prayed that I may come to you with joy by the will of God. Those are the three things. And on the surface, I look at it and think his plan. I'm going to go through Spain. I'm going to get to you there. Did he ever make it to Spain? We, we really don't know. Historians, church historians differ on this. I think that he did because in 2 Timothy, he says that I have finished the course. It's his last letter. 2 Timothy is his last letter. It's his, uh, the, the little speech that you give right before. He gave his own eulogy, so to speak. And he says, I, I finished the course that God gave me. So I think he did, but we don't have any proof of it. But what if he didn't? His plan isn't where he got his joy from. His plan was to get to Jerusalem and to deliver this gift, and he would get there. Speaks of it in the book of Acts. (laughs) He delivers this gift that we don't know how much, but I'm assuming a large gift that would supply these brothers and sisters in Christ, in a relationship with them. The, the word, by the way, in, uh, in verse 24, when it talks about the contribution, interesting, that word contribution is the word koinonia, which if you've been around the Bible for a long time or if you grew up in the hippie movement or the Jesus movement, you know koinonia because like every coffee house, Jesus coffee house in America was named koinonia house. It's the word for fellowship. He would use it again in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 when he talked about this gift, this distribution. It's our fellowship. I leave for Haiti tomorrow morning with, with David and Sarah and a couple others from the Conduit Collective. And we're going to be delivering our fellowship to them from Conduit. Our, that's our plan is to deliver our fellowship. Several thousand dollars that will go towards the work that's being done on the ground there. That's the plan. Will we get there? Probably. I don't know. If there's something that I've learned over the years is that our plans are not where I'm going to get my peace from. Because I had some great plans over the years. Executed some of them good, some not so good. But I never got peace from that. The peace that was coming that I have in my life that that is in Paul's life, that's a promise for all of our lives, is when we figure out our purpose. So he would say, I pray for me that my plan is going to be accepted by the saints in Jerusalem, that I would be delivered from them, that we're going to try to hurt me, and that I would come to you with joy. Those are the three things 
did he ask for? He made it to Jerusalem. Was he delivered from those that were going to hurt him? Yes-ish. He shows up. It's Acts 21. He rolls into town. He's got the gift. And the first thing that happens is the brothers and sisters and the saints join around him. And before he knows it, this gigantic uproar. And he is, uh, just like he was the last time he was in Jerusalem, beaten up and about to be killed when a Roman centurion hears this uproar and comes down to his rescue. So he was rescued, ish. His plan was to get in there and get out. That's what he wanted. But he gets beat up. He prayed, hey, that the saints would accept me and this gift that I'm bringing. And interestingly enough, in Acts 21, when he gets there, the Jewish brothers and sisters there were saying, hey, why don't you go ahead and take the Nazarite vow, go into the temple, cleanse yourself for seven days, show them you're a team player, Paul. It's, it's strange, but he does it. He goes. He wants to make him happy, be accepted. I don't know, maybe it's his thought that I won't get, this might keep me from getting the tar beat out of me. But he goes in and he comes out seven days later. And in the meantime, these rumors had begun to spread amongst the people in Jerusalem, amongst the Jews, that he had taken Gentiles into the temple. That it was he was defiling it. And then when he came out, so the, him going in there backfired on him. And he comes out and that's when the uproar started. And it's then that a centurion would rescue him. So was he accepted by the saints? Ish. Hey, we'll accept you, but you got to do this for me. And by the way, whenever you're trying to do the, the little hat dance while someone's shooting at your feet to try to make them happy, it's never going to end right. They're going to end up shooting you in the leg. And that's what Paul was doing. And then he prayed that I would come to you with joy. After he was rescued by this centurion, he would end up being arrested. He was being actually taken away and saying, look, you're this guy that they think he's this Egyptian, that's this crazy guy, this insurrectionist. And so they're going to stretch him out and flog him to get him to talk so they'll know why all this uproar is happening. And it's at that point that Paul says, he speaks to them in Greek, and the Romans are like, oh, God, you're one of us. And they, they, they know you can't flog a Roman, so there they unstrap him, and they're like, oh, this is, we got to get you out of here. He's being rescued, but ish. See, he would get to Rome. He would get to Rome, not the way he planned. He would be arrested. He would be put in handcuffs. There would be a shipwreck on the way. It was all expenses paid, no question. And I think, did Paul have peace and joy and hope when his plan blew up in his face as big as that one did? He would write some epistles, some letters from prison in Caesarea and in Rome. He would be in prison for four years. Sometimes I wonder if the reason that the Lord allowed that to happen in his life was, how else is he going to, he'll never sit still long enough to write. So he got to sit still for four years. It's one of the reasons why I've shared it before, and it just it's always feels worth repeating, that when we talk about suffering in the context of the gospel, it's why I don't believe that it's, 
I don't believe that cancer, that sickness, that that's from God, that that's what it's talking about. Because every time you see anybody suffering in the New Testament, it's not about sickness. It's not about that. We retrofit it. And two things happen that I think are dangerous when we do that. Number one, I impugn the name of God. And number two, then I think, well, this is my deal, so I don't have to do anything else. I'm already suffering on behalf of Christ. No, you're not. It's suffering because you're in a fallen world, because there's an enemy that doesn't love you, that wants you dead, that our bodies are in a fallen nature. Nothing to do with God giving it to you. And when I look at him saying, pick up my, your cross and follow me, that's something I do willingly. I choose this and I follow it. I'm, so if you've got any sort of an ailment or sickness, that's something you didn't pick up to follow. That's something that was put on you, I believe, by an enemy that hates you and wants you dead. When the Bible speaks of suffering, every time, it's always about that in the New Testament. Pick up your cross, follow me. That's what Paul did. He picked up his cross and he followed him. The whole purpose of what I'm trying to say to you is this, is that his plan blew up in his, fla- his face. Every one of our plans, that's going to happen in our lives at any moment. Your plan won't work. Your job is going to end. The marriage might implode. Your kid might walk away from the Lord. The plans that you have for you might not work, but you can still have peace when you know and are operating in your purpose. And that's what Paul knew. He would write a book from, we call it a book, an epistle, a letter called Philippians from that jail. And he would say in the book of Philippians, there are those that actually call it the epistle of joy. The word joy is mentioned 16 times in Philippians. He would talk in Philippians 4 about a peace that passes all understanding. It doesn't come from understanding. It surpasses it. That that peace could be ours. That I could have joy, chapter 4, verse 11-ish, through just 1 through 20 almost, and that whole chapter speaks of rejoice in the Lord always. Paul is saying that because his purpose was secure. He was doing his purpose. He was living in his purpose. Rejoice. He would say that he was actually writing to the church of uh, Philippi saying that you guys were awesome because you took care of me financially. No one else did, but you did. And he said, I'm not even asking for any more because I've learned, this is his words, to be content. Peace. Whether I have much or whether I have little, I'm content. And how do I do this, he says, because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Much or little has nothing to do with that. And if you've ever been, you've traveled globally, you've traveled where kids don't have anything, there's one thing you see there, it's a lot of joy. It's hard to covet your neighbor when he doesn't have anything. Boy, I wish I had, no, never mind. <laughs> joy in that. There's freedom in that. He said, I could, I could be content in that because it's his purpose. My question for us this morning is, do we know our purpose? Uh, Not your plan. I'm sure it's great. It's probably awesome. I'd be glad to let you whiteboard it out, but for the sake of time. What's the purpose? Jesus would tell us, and that's what I really believe that you see in this entire little vignette of here, is Paul's purpose, our purpose, which is really one word, and it is the mission. 
that he's given us to do. Go into all the world making disciples. And as you go, you'll see these signs happening. If you're following signs and wonders, you've got the order backwards. God does some amazing things. If you don't, just go and start preaching. Preaching to Muslims that hate you, that want you dead. And when you say that Allah is not God and Jesus is, and then somebody gets out of a wheelchair, that's kind of awesome. Those signs and wonders will happen, but they're going as you're going. Your purpose is to what Paul says here. In these first few verses, verses 14 through 21, was to preach. He said, I am preaching the gospel to those in front of me, to the world around me, to the world that doesn't know. And you think, yeah, Darren, that's great. I'm not a preacher. Great. Neither am I. I mean, for crying out loud, look at me. The only person that ever believed that I could do this was my mom. And I'm not even sure she did. Preaching is nothing more than just being a voice to someone who's in need. Preaching happened this week in Conduit when we had brothers and sisters that are down in surgery and in pain and you call to encourage them. Preaching happens when you know somebody going through a rough time and you go and just hug on them and tell them the good news of Jesus and that he's there for you. And Sometimes preaching is you just loving and hugging on them. It's you and I preaching the good news of Jesus. Not all the weird ethereal stuff. There's a purpose for teaching, but that's not what Paul said our purpose was. Our purpose, your purpose, my purpose, the ministry of reconciliation, he would call it in Corinthians, to reconcile man to God. We're adopting a new saying this year, and it's that all the world is closer than you think. All the world is right in front of us. It's all around us. Preaching the good news of Jesus with your mouth. I appreciate that old, uh, it's, almost, it's like one of the very first urban legends in Christianity that I've ever heard, which is that of St. Francis of Assisi who said, uh, preach often and sometimes use words. It's great. It's just that he didn't say it. There's absolutely no historical evidence whatsoever that he said that, number one, or number two, that that is biblical. There's power in our words. When I say out loud, when I'm preaching to my children by just saying, Daddy loves you. You are so special. Do you know that God made you? There's no other Lauren anywhere on the planet out of billions of people throughout history. God made you specifically. I'm preaching Jesus to my daughter. Out loud. Father, speak out loud to your children. There's power in those words for them to hear them. Your silence is deafening. Preach Jesus to your children to your neighbors. He would go on to talk about this offering that he was going to take to those who were in need, this provision. Gang, we have opportunities to make provision for each other. For those that have made meals this week, for those who, if you've never been down for the count in a surgery, man, it's awesome when someone rolls up to your door with food because of everything you're thinking about for that day that you got to get done, at least that one's not on the list anymore. For the new mamas with the babies, and we're providing provision there. We've provided provision for people in our church through our benevolence fund. 
You've provided provision when nobody even knows you're doing it to each other, for each other. Making provision is part of the purpose because when I am giving of that money, it's funny, it's not about solving the problems on the other side. We are not called to fight poverty. That's a red herring. It's a distraction. Poverty is just a symptom of the fallen world. If it were about money, Haiti would be fine. $10 billion, U.S. tax dollars, have been flushed through the toilet of Haiti in just the past decade. And there's nothing to show for it because money wasn't the solution. Money is just a tool. And I am convinced that it is more when I am giving. Now, keeping in mind, we have given as a church. We're getting close to the million-dollar mark of what we have given away in Africa and in India and Haiti. We're getting close to that, but that, isn't the, that doesn't solve anything. That is just... Honestly, as the water of the Holy Spirit goes through me, it's washing out my impurities. It's washing out my greed, my coveting. And when I'm giving it away, it's just cleaning me out. Freedom that it offers. I'm bringing provision to them. That's part of our purpose. Jesus, when he actually opens up in his opening statement, his opening volley, he would say, in the chapter of Luke, it says he opens up the Bible in the book of Isaiah and he says, this is who I am. I have come to preach the gospel to the poor. They got nothing. I Take up an offering in Haiti. You'll get like some gum wrappers. Some gum wrappers. It's not, a, they can't repay you. When I'm giving to someone who can't possibly repay me for what I'm doing to them, It isn't about solving their problem. It's about cleaning my soul. Bringing provision. And as a church, I promise you, we're going to continue to do that. When we opened the doors, we had one of the biggest fears I had was, well, now we're going to have overhead. (laughs) I actually thought these words, it's a church. It's just going to mess it all up. (laughs) But the Lord allowed us to be entrepreneurial, to think outside the bounds, to, so that we can function as a church and just raise revenues with godly ideas that can help to come through. And then we're just a conduit, phew, washes right through to those that are in need on the front lines here and around the world. We bring provision. And the last thing he says is prayer. These are the keystones of mission, preaching, provision, providing, and prayer. When I'm praying for you, and here's what I wanted you to hear me say, that purpose, when I'm operating in my purpose of mission, it is love being expressed through preaching, provision, and prayer. You see, patience, joy, hope, I don't know if those ring a bell, but in Galatians 5, what did Paul said the fruit of the Spirit is love. Interesting, he didn't say singular or plural. The fruits of the Spirit is love. He said the fruit, singular, is love. And he would go on to say love, joy, peace, patience. I believe that peace and patience and joy is the texture. It's the color, the taste, the experience of love. The purpose inside of us is to allow the Lord to move in, to take up residence in our heart, the Holy Spirit, to wash through us that we might go. And this is what Jesus said. 
And it, look, if you've, if you've nodding off, I don't blame you. Just for a couple minutes, wake up and you go right back to sleep. But he said that your purpose in John chapter 15 is to go and to bear fruit. I have called you to go and to bear fruit. And when I know that that's my purpose, fruit, which is, anyone? Fruit of the Spirit is love. When I'm going and bearing those, that fruit that looks like love and joy and peace and patience, the mission is so easy. That it's just love being expressed through preaching and through provision and through prayer. And when I'm praying for my enemy, it brings unity because I'm not angry at him anymore. Hard to be angry at someone that I'm praying for. When I'm bringing provision to those that are in need, there is a fulfillment that happens in that because I'm letting go of something and this supernatural thing happens and there's a fulfillment that happens in that. When I'm talking about the supernatural goodness of God to my children, to you, to my friends, to my wife, I'm hearing those words myself. And it brings me hope, peace, and joy. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Maybe the voice that we're supposed to hear is our own. Faith comes by hearing my voice saying those things. We have ample opportunity to make plans. But if you are planning on that being your peace and joy, patience and unity, man, good luck. Let me know how it goes. I'll tell you how mine went. Not very good. But when I am dialed into my purpose, then it doesn't matter whether Paul got to Spain or not. It doesn't matter that the way he got to Rome was different than what he had planned with a shipwreck and a snake bite on the way. He's a guy that could say, the joy of the Lord is my strength, that, that you could rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, rejoice in all things, all things. I'm floating out on a little, you know, what are those things? Pillars of wood, whatever those would be called. That's what I'm going for. Floating uh, until he gets to shore from the shipwreck and he could say rejoice in that. And you're thinking like I'm thinking, that can't happen. I don't know how that works. And I'm telling you, the reason you don't and I don't is because God hasn't put us in the position, but when our purpose is in that, that's the supernatural presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, making it into peace and joy and hope because it wasn't about his plan. And every time, I, I challenge you to think about this, every time you get your underwear in a wad, you're all bunched up and just in a bad mood. You got that rock in your shoe. Look at it. Is it because your plan didn't work out? I had this idea and, I, and it didn't work. Some of Jesus' best miracles happened because he got distracted on the way to doing something else. And then sometimes after he got there. Remember Lazarus? He went to see Lazarus and he got there late because he got distracted. There were miracles to do along the way. And Mary and Martha, they're kind of freaked out. And then he raises them from the dead. If he wouldn't have known his purpose... He would have just stuck with the plan. And how much do we miss out because of my stupid plan? How much peace am I missing out on because of my plan? Because I've got it all on the plan. And I know that as we're 
circling for a landing. Put your seat backs up, your tray tables, and turn off all electronic devices. We're going in. My plan isn't where my peace is going to come from. It's my purpose. And some of us, you might not think, man, I, can't, I, I am so stuck in the mud right now. I've got so much of a mess that I can't even see past tomorrow. You're already making a plan. You're focusing on tomorrow. What's the plan? What's your purpose? Is there someone you can love on today? You might need love. I promise you, Jesus says, when you've lost your life, you'll find it. You're giving it out. When he talks about give and it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. I know that sounds great on an offering, on TBN, but that's not what he was talking about. Remember what I told you last week? When we take the text out of context, all we're left with is a con. He was talking about love, talking about giving it out. And when I'm giving it out, then I'm getting it back. Try it today. I don't care how dismal it seems. Just try it. Give it out. And in the moments where peace leaves you, in the moment where the fear enters, just, is it about the plan? Is it because it didn't work out the way I thought it was today? Is it because my tire blew? Is it because I got stuck in traffic? Is it because you rear-ended somebody on the way home from, <laughs> from a basketball game? Hypothetically speaking. <laughs> What's the plan that's being squandered and messed Know that it wasn't about that to begin with, about the purpose. Is there an opportunity to love somebody that's right in front of you? I don't know how you're going to make rent next month. I don't. Maybe you don't either. Focus on your purpose. And you might be saying, Darren, well, that sounds pretty easy. And understand, I don't mean, I always think, well, how could someone misunderstand me? The plans are not inherently and of themselves sinful. It's just when I'm focusing on that for my peace. Paul had a plan. It wasn't bad to have the plan. It's just owning the plan and making that be the thing that's going to make my happiness and my joy is where I lose it. Because when it doesn't happen, not if, but when. I had a business guy once told me a long time ago that you're going into a negotiation or whatever. He's like, Darren, you can think of a hundred different ways that this is going to go. And it's still not going to be one that you thought of ahead of time. And that has held true to almost every negotiation I've ever been in. Every thing that I've created in my mind, oh, this is going to be, well, oh, this is going to go bad. He's going to do this. Are they going to say that? And then it's always something I didn't think about. Walk out going, whew, well, I didn't think of that. Just lay your plans on the altar of mission. Say, it's not about my plan, but it's about the mission and the purpose of God inside of me to go and to bear fruit to preach to my children, to preach to my family, to preach to my neighbors, to bring provision to those that are in need, whether anybody knows about it or not, and to pray, to pray for each other, to pray for those that we don't even know. As we're worshiping, musicians, feel free to join me. I'd just ask you to figure out, hey, where's your plan gone wrong? And can you still find your purpose in the middle of a plan that didn't work? And I want you to know you can. I promise you you can. If Paul can write those words from Philippians, the epistle of joy in prison, just plug into the purpose to bear fruit, to plug into the vine. You don't even, then it's just effortless. I'm just plugged into Jesus. And for those of you that might be looking for an outlet, this, by the way, I just took a left turn from where I thought the Lord was going today. But one of the things I did want to encourage and to challenge you, a lot of times 
you hear the sermon, well, and then you feel like what I felt, I want to go do something. But I don't know what to do, so I don't do anything. I want to give you opportunity today to say, hey, I could fulfill my purpose. If, if you're not fulfilling your purpose, to give you an opportunity to fulfill your purpose with brothers and sisters at Conduit. At the end of our gathering today, David uh, Christopher is going to be standing up here. David is our director of mission with Conduit Mission, and we've got trips to Guatemala, Haiti. We'll be going back to Africa, probably India. You think, I want to, that, that Lord is knocking on the, heart of the door of my heart for that one. David's going to be down here to talk to you. You're looking for an opportunity to preach to somebody? Come be a part of our setup or teardown team. You get chances to encourage each other, to love on each other. I see it almost every Sunday. Coming in and gathering and someone will be over in the corner praying for somebody else, praying and the purpose. Mo, uh, I'm going to recruit you for this because Rob's back with our kids. Mo, uh, sorry, this is calling an audible. Mo will be here as well if you want to think, I want to be a part of that. But we've got amazing kids ministry going on right now. Amazing things happening with my children, with your children. You want to get a chance to preach and to love on and to pray for some people who can't possibly pay you back for what you're doing to them. Go hang out with our students on a Sunday. Shannon is going to be here to let you sign up. Just, encourage, just get you know, connected together with that. If you want to be a part of praying and praying for our body, boy, I believe we need more prayers in this church. We have a lot of really clever people. A lot of guys that like, they think like I think, I, gotta, I can figure this out. <laughs> we need more prayers. And Russ, would you mind if someone wants to be a part of praying for people on Sundays or praying for each other throughout the week, praying for our service and our gathering, praying Russ Rankin will be here as well. Just standing across the front. Just say, you know, I, that really resonated with me. I really feel like I'd like to be a part of that. I'd like to be a part of that purpose in my life. We're in our small groups, our conduit communities, which are amazing opportunities to pray for each other, to preach to each other, to provide for each other. Some of you have been around a while and, and you've had a time of healing here at Conduit. A time where you really burned yourself out in another place. You needed some rest. Man, I get that. And some of you need to continue that rest. That's fine. But some of you, the Lord has been maybe tapping on a little bit. Yeah, you know what? I feel like it might be time. It might be time to get off the bench. These chairs are not that comfortable anyway. Maybe the Lord's saying, hey, I, it's, I really feel like I should be leading a, a, a conduit community, a small group in my area. Cortland will be standing here as well. Or maybe the Lord has something that has nothing to do with any of these opportunities. That's fine. I just want you to find purpose. Our God loves us that much. I'm telling you, this is so, I mean, Shannon and I, we're more broke than we've ever been. And it's awesome. God has just provided for us. And I sleep at night. I don't get stressed about it. Because it's, it's not, and gang, trust me, it's not because I'm that spiritual. Just hang out at the house and wait till I stub my toe. You'll know. 
because we're living out the purpose that God has in us. It's not even that hard. But isn't that what he said? My load is easy. My burden is light. If you're stressed out and you're worried, I bet it's because you're picking up something that God didn't ask you to carry. Lay your plan down. Pick his purpose up and walk into the peace and the joy and the hope that he promised us. Lord, would you give that to us today? That as we worship you, that you would speak to our hearts. For those that are still looking for a moment of purpose, speak to us. Is it through prayer? Is it through the conduit communities? Or whatever it is, Lord, just speak to where we can let our purpose be expressed on this earth. Your spirit does so much better job than I do, Lord. Just let us in our own hearts just quiet and just listen for what you have to say to us today. It's in your name, it's it's in your nature, it's who you are that we can pray in. Amen. I want to encourage you that you have one opportunity here that, you know, we, we can't do this every time someone goes under a surgery or so. It just, it just would be, well, we'd be doing it every week. But, you know, Jeremy has poured his life into this ministry from, since the very, very beginning. He took a job where he, he doesn't make uh, much. And he doesn't know we're asking for this. But if the Lord puts on your heart, Jeremy has a little worship guy to maybe throw a little towards him. It's not even so much about the cost of the surgery. That's there, but it's, you know, he's, he's like you and me, like a sales guy, he's, he's, he's out of work. He's out of, you know, it's like you go out and eat what you kill. You stop killing, you stop eating. So it's been a little bit of a stress for you and his family. He's going to be laid up. He can't sell on Percocet. Well, he could. Uh, probably make some good sales more I think about it. Um, just, just let the Lord speak to you on that. Maybe that's an opportunity for you to make provision this morning, to just be some purpose there. These envelopes are going to come by you in a moment. Just so you know, when you do give, when you are a part of conduit, that is part of that provision. I wouldn't get to go to Haiti tomorrow if there weren't you today. You're making provision. You're letting your purpose be expressed in that. When you give, that's part of what happens with conduit. We didn't ask you to have to choose between a parachurch and a church. We just felt it's all the same thing. That's our purpose. Make provision. When these buckets come by, pray that maybe the Lord would speak to you for that today. And at the end, as Cortland is dismissing us, I'm going to ask those that I mentioned out loud to come and just stand across the front. And, and before you go today, just to come see them and say, hey, you know what? The Lord stirred in my heart today. This is what I feel like I want to do. And they'll get connected with you and, and help you to fulfill that purpose to your brothers and sisters in front of you. Would you stand and would you worship with us? Those buckets will be coming in just a few minutes. Give them a couple minutes to get their checkbooks out, guys, because I've just dumped it on them. But practically speaking, give them a couple minutes. And uh, communion, as always, is available, an opportunity to worship there as well.